The Mishnah continues to discuss the signatures written in the get, and in what language and in what form they are written. Get which was written in Loshna Kaidesh in Hebrew, but its witnesses signed in Greek. Or Yavonis, it was written in Greek. The Eid of Ivris and its witnesses signed in Loshna Kaidesh. As we're going to see, this is valid. Even though the witnesses must understand what was written in the get, we assume that they do understand. We don't need to be concerned that those who signed in it didn't understand what was, what was written in the get, and therefore it is valid. If one witness who signed on it signed it in Loshna Kaidesh and one w- witness signed in Greek, Kosov has safer aid. If the scribe, the person who wrote the actual get, he was one of the witnesses and he signed, and then a different witness also signed. Kosher, in all these cases, the get is valid. In the final case, I might have thought that we should be concerned that once the husband is already looking for other witnesses other than the scribe to sign, we assume that he would have wanted two other witnesses to do so. So perhaps the husband appointed two people, not the scribe, to sign on the get. However, those two people saw that the scribe was writing the get, and perhaps they didn't want him to feel bad, as if he appears to be an invalid witness, and that's why the husband is getting other people to sign, so one of them felt bad for him, and they said that, you know what, you, you sign it instead of me. Now, in such a scenario, if the husband hears about this and he's not happy, he could technically nullify the entire appointment of the two messengers to sign it, because they went against what he instructed them to do. So this scenario which we just described, we might be concerned about in a case where we see a get which was signed by the scribe and another witness. But the Mishnah says we don't need to be concerned about this because according to our Mishnah, somebody who is appointed to write or to sign a get has not got the ability to appoint somebody else to do it for him. And therefore we would never have such a scenario where one of the witnesses tells the scribe to do it instead of him or on his behalf, because he's not able to pass that ability on to him, because only he was the one appointed by the husband to sign on the get. Continues the missioner, ideally what is written in a get when one signs on it is his name, his father's name, and then they would write the word aid that he is a witness. They would write so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, a witness. Now what happens if he didn't write all of those things? What happens if he wrote, for example, ish aid? So-and-so, a witness. And didn't say his father's name, says the Mishnah. Kosher, it's valid. Ben Ishpeloni Eid. If he he signs as being the son of a particular person, and he adds the word Eid, that he is a witness, again, Kosher, it's valid. Even though he did not mention his own name explicitly. As well as that, if he said Ishpeloni Ben Ishpeloni, he wrote that he is so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. So he wrote his name and his father's name, but Veloikos of Eid, he didn't write after that that he was a witness. Again, kosher is valid in all of these cases, we've got at least two out of the three things which are necessary, and that is enough, and the get would be valid. And the Mishnah notes, This is what the people who were clear-minded, who lived in Yerushalayim, they would write very few words, they would say very few words, only that which was necessary. So when they signed on documents, they would also not add the word aid after writing their name. Alright, what happens if he wrote either his nickname or her nickname, others explain it to referring to the name by which their family is known, their surname. In all of these cases, kosher, the get would be valid. Now, one of the laws regarding giving get to one's wife is that the divorce is only valid if the, if the husband does it willingly. It's not that he's forced to do it. However, the Mishnah says that, that get mo'usah, a get which was given over to one's wife out of force, 
It was forced upon him, but he didn't actually want to be Israel. If it was forced by a Jew, let's say by based in themselves, kosher, the get is valid. The reason being that really, if it's not done with the hus- in, in a way that the husband wanted it to be done, so the divorce should be invalid. However, when it comes to certain cases, it would be valid because we don't view it as it being forced upon him. The Rambam explains that really every Jew wants to do the right thing. So in a case where he's forced to do it, but it's that which he should have done and is the right thing to do anyway, so we view that as having been done in a manner which wasn't forced upon him, and kosher, the get would be valid. But if it's non-Jews for appointing him and forcing him to write the get, then possible the get would be invalid. Although, even there, says the Mishnah of when it comes to non-Jews forcing him, there is a way for him to be liable. And that is, if if the non-Jew is the one who is hitting him, then they can hit him and say to him, do what the Jews would say to you, the kosher would be valid. Meaning, based in can appoint non-Jews, in order to apply pressure by threatening perhaps or even to beat him up in order that he divorce her. So here since they're doing it for the sake of the base then, so this divorce would be valid again because of the reason that deep down this is really what the husband wants. So when he does it, it is valid. If a woman's name spreads in the city that she got married, that she received Kedushim, which is the first stage of marriage. And the Gemara explains, we're talking about a case where two witnesses testified in Basin that they saw her, her marriage, her wedding. She had a wedding celebration, and they testified this in front of Basin. Harizim Mekudeshes, she would be considered Mekudeshes, even though there aren't necessarily witnesses who saw the Kedushim itself take place. But her status is now considered to be that of a married woman. So if she wishes to marry somebody else, she would first have to receive a get from the person who the witnesses say she is married to. Now, if later on witnesses come and say Goreshes, she is divorced, they would assume they would they would um, trust that testimony and her status is assumed to be that of a woman who is divorced. So she'd be forbidden to marry a Koyen, but she can marry anybody else. As long as there is not a excuse, some reason to say the opposite in any of these cases. And the Mishnah says, Is he a masla? What is an example of an amasla? Some sort of reason not to accept this. If the testimony wasn't just that they know that she was divorced, but they said, So-and-so divorced their wife on condition. So there, it's all very nice that we know that there was a get given, but it could be the divorce never even took place, so this testimony would not be enough to give her the status of a divorced woman. Or another example would be if someone tested, if Adim, two witnesses, testify that Zorak Lokid a person threw a woman uh, object or money in order to perform Kedushin, and Sovikov law, Sovikov law, it's a doubt whether it was nearer to her, whether he threw it such that it landed near enough to her that it be considered as if he gave it to her, and then the Kedushin would be valid. Or it wasn't near enough to her, it was nearer to him and it would be invalid for Kedushin. Zohi Amasla, this would be an example of an Amasla, which would cause us not to give her this new status of being married or divorced based on what we have seen. 
Mishnah Yud, this final Mishnah of the Masechta, discusses what is the cause and when exactly is one able to divorce his wife. say, A man is not allowed to divorce his wife unless he found in her an immoral matter. Unless there are two witnesses who testify that she has committed adultery that she has had relations with another man. Shalema, as the Pasuk says, when talking about a woman divorcing his wife, about a man divorcing his wife, what is the example in the case which the Torah talks about? Kimotsuba Erastovar. It says that he'll divorce her because he found in her an immoral matter. Even if she burnt his cooked dish, Meaning as soon as she does anything which shows a small lack of care for him or that she's not taking care properly of the household needs, then he is able to divorce her. She never as the Pasuk says, Kimotsovar We still learn it from the same Pasuk, it says that if he finds in her an immoral matter. It doesn't say Erva, that he found that she was immoral, that she committed adultery. It says Ervastovar, a matter which is immoral. So we see from there that any small thing which she does, which sort of affects their relationship, that will be enough of a reason to divorce her. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, you don't need a reason. Even if you find another woman who's more beautiful than her, who you want to marry more, that's enough of a reason to marry, to divorce her. Now in the times of the Mishnah, one is allowed to marry more than one wife. So what Rav Kiva means is whenever you want to divorce her, you're allowed to. Shinema, as the Pesach says, It will be if the woman, his wife, doesn't find favor in his eyes, then he'll divorce her. So we see from there that whenever one wishes to divorce his wife, he's able to and he doesn't need a specific reason or cause for divorcing her. Sorry, Maseches Gitten Mazel Tov. Maseches Kedushin Perg Aleph Mishnah Aleph. The subject of the last Masechta in Seder Noshim. It's interesting that it's last Masechta. This is really discussing marriage. The Mephoshim note the interesting order that we just discussed Gitin, which is about divorcing a woman, and now we're discussing marrying the woman. And really, everything we've discussed until now, all the other Masechtas, the Subas, for example, it's, it's very interesting that they come before Masechta's Kedushin, which is about the marriage itself. Be it as it may, in the times of the Mishnah, there were two stages to a marriage. The first stage was Kedushin, where one acquires the woman. And at that stage, it is the first half of the marriage. So they are still forbidden to have relations together, the husband and wife. And they don't yet live together. They're not considered husband and wife yet. However, the main thing which happens and occurs at the time of the Kedushin is that she's considered to be acquired by her future husband. And she is forbidden to marry anybody else. At the time of the Kedushin, she becomes forbidden to anybody else. Later on, at the times of the Mishnah, it was a year later, they would go through Nisuin, which is the, the process done under the Chuppah, and that is the final stage of the marriage, and once that has been done, they are considered to be fully married and can have relations and live together. Nowadays, we do the Kedushin and the Nisuin under the Chuppah. The giving over of the ring would be the Kedushin, and itself is done under the Chuppah, which is also the Nisuin. This mission discusses the different ways in which Kedushin can be done, and then the rest of the parrot goes very much sidetracked to discuss all other types of acquisitions and how one can buy something and gain ownership of it or lose ownership of different things. So the mission begins by telling us that Ha'isha Nikneis, a woman, is acquired, meaning Kedushin can be done, Bisholish Durachim, in three ways. The Koinos Atzma, and she is able to acquire herself back, 
meaning the marriage can be ended in two ways. And the Mishnah explains, Nicknays, she can be acquired, the condition can be done if she receives money from the man who is performing condition with her. If he gives her money and he says that I am performing Kiddushin on you with the money. Or Bishtar, if he gives her a document and inside the document is written that she should become Mukudeshes to him. Mukudeshes is the state of the woman who has received Kiddushin. And in that case, he doesn't have to tell her when he's giving her the document that he's doing it for the sake of Kiddushin because it's stated explicitly in the document itself. And the third way is of a beer by having relations with her, if in front, all of these needs to be done in front of two witnesses. That's very important. And if two witnesses testify or are there when they go into a room together privately, and he says that they're about to have relations for the sake of Kiddushin, and two witnesses see them be alone, then that would also be a valid way of performing Kiddushin. And the Gemara derives all of these from Psukim, how exactly we know that this will work for this, for, in order to affect Kiddushin. And now the Mishnah elaborates, Bekesef, when we say that one is able to perform Kiddushin on a woman by giving her money, how much does he have to give her? So Midoraisa, everybody agrees that it has to be the minimum amount which is considered to be worth anything, and that is a Shavah Prutta. A Shavah Prutta is the smallest amount of money or value which is considered to be significant at all. So a very small amount. And Midoraisa, that, that is enough. However, Bishamay and Bishamay say, Bidinar of Shavah Dinar. One needs to give her a dinar coin or something worth a dinar. Because if you give her such a small amount of a Shavah Prutta, it will make it appear as if a woman is just a cheap thing to acquire. Women might be a bit ashamed by it. And therefore, according to Bishamay, one needs to give her at least a dinar. However, Bishamay and Bishamay are not concerned about this. And they say that no, the law remains like the Midaraisa law, and that is the Prutta of Shavah Prutta. It is enough to give her a pruta coin or something worth a pruta. The chamei pruta. How much is a pruta worth? It's an eighth of an Italian isar. The reason why the Mishnah only goes into how much a pruta is is because we elaborate more on Beis Hill's opinion, which is generally followed for the sake of halacha. And as well as that, the Mefarshim add that it could be that the worth of a dinar was very much known to everybody. But the worth of a pruta was less known, and therefore the Mishnah tells us what exactly a pruta is. Alright, and Vakonis Atzma, she can acquire herself, meaning that a marriage and the Kedushan can be ended, beget, either by receiving a get, like we learned in the previous Masechta, or Misabaal, or if the husband dies. And again, there are Pesukim for all of these ways of acquiring and transferring the ownership of something. And the ownership of marriage is not necessarily a regular ownership. It's not like one owns a table, so he owns a woman. It's a specific form of ownership, which is a marriage-related ownership. An ownership which means that as long as she is married to him, she cannot be married or have relationships with anybody, any other men. Only once she receives a get where her husband died, then she is permitted to marry another man. There is something known as Yibum. Yibum is when a man dies without children, and there is a mitzvah upon that dead man's brother to marry the dead man's wife, the widow. However, the Yibum is not like any regular marriage. The Torah says specifically that Hayavoma Niklis Babia. A Yavoma, that's referring to the widow, she can be acquired by the Yavom, that's the dead man's brother. But Bia, via Bia, by having relations. That's the only way to perform Yibum, at least on a Midaraisa level, the Konas Atzma and she can acquire herself via performing a process in Beistin known as Chalitza. 
and that is when they go through some sort of divorce, as it were, but a similar process in Beistin in order to allow her to marry somebody else. But until she's received Chalitza, she is forbidden, just like a married woman, she would be forbidden to marry anybody else until she receives Chalitza.